Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Lock me up before you go, go, cause I'm mentally ill. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's loads of songs about, you know, mental illness and asylums and mad doctors, but uh, that's what came to mind then. Welcome to a spooky episode of the horrible, spoiler-filled film conversation, Boo-Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Get your second pair of pants ready, because you're going to shit yourself. (laughs) I am Richard, doctor uh, and not killer, and with me, my... Humble patients who I will be subjecting to various tests are uh, Anthony. Hello. And Abby. Hi, imagine that I have a puppet on my left hand. Okay. What kind of puppet? Uh, Sort of in the Muppet style, but more sort of homebrew. Made of awful. And in a sort of aubergine colour. Oh, like a sesame seed reject. Sesame seed. Sesame Street. <laughs> sesame Street. Oh God! Just a disgusting bur- Burger King mascot gone wrong. Ah oh, well. Anyway, and the uh, escaped patient this week uh, is Jamie. He's uh, made a Jamie-shaped hole in the wall and escaped. Um, yikes! So he's out there, probably on the moors. Killing or something, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, how do how do Halloween podcast things work? You sort of dress them up a bit in. Uh, you put a few cobwebs up on the audio file and hand out a few horrible sweets and um, make the best of uh, make the best of it. Anyway, I don't know. I, I don't have the heart to to try any further. <laughs> it's a scary yeah. film. What do you more do you want? Yeah. Well, I say scary. If you're scared by like the goosebumps equivalent of horror, then it's scary. <laughs> Scarably bad, <laughs> horribly hilarious, and uh, yeah. Anyway, you know we chat about films. This week we picked a film, uh, and it was Asylum. Uh, and he'll give you the details. He says it was his uh, movie to inflict upon us. Indeed, I will because there is actually I discovered another film called Asylum from 1972. But that's a documentary about an asylum. So you think this isn't but... factually accurate? <laughs> Surprising, I know. But uh, no, so there might be some confusion because there is another film with the same name from the same year and it's does also this, British. Does this <laughs> have an alternate title or anything in other countries or anything? I believe it did, actually. Do you know Let's, off the top of your head? Let me just check. Off the top of the online. Also known as House of Crazies in the US. But yes, but anyway, uh, Asylum or House of Crazies in the US uh, was. Oh, is it called? In... It'd be good if it was called House of Crazies in the US. That, that title I like. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes, the film was released in 1972. It is a British uh, horror anthology. Uh, a film directed by Roy Ward Baker and written by Robert Block, who is also the writer of the Psycho uh, books. 
There you go. Uh, the, the film centers around a uh, psychiatrist trying to get a job at a uh, remote uh, country asylum. And as a test of his suitability to work there, uh, he is tasked with interviewing various patients and hearing their spooky stories in order to in order to identify which one of them is the recently committed warden of the asylum who went crazy and attacked another doctor. The um, Batman shit, isn't it? <laughs> However, there is more going on in this asylum than there first seemed. No. No. The so actually, there's actually quite a lot of health and safety regulations being broken. <laughs> uh, the film stars Robert Powell, Patrick McGee, Jeffrey Balladin, Barbara Parkins, Sylvia Sims, Richard Todd, Barry Morse, Peter Cushing, Anne Furbank, John Franklin Robbins, Charlotte Ramplin, Britt Eklund, James Villiers, Megs Jenkins, Herbert Lom, and Frank Forsyth. That is literally everyone who was in the film. Yeah, they said that it was shot over 24 days as well. So it really took time and effort and care to make it. It's kind of incredible when you read those like things, because the amount I can achieve in 24 days is nowhere near the level of making a competent film. But you're not several people, cast, crew, you know, you're one man, Anthony, you know? Maybe not. I mean, they they all say it comes together in the editing, which probably took a long time. I mean, you but still it's just one of those facts. It just it feels insurmountable, don't you think? It's like you did this in three weeks. What? I suppose. I said, well, when you see the result, you kind of accept that. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh... you 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 have also dabbled in weird toy based horror filmmaking so you know, I feel like this was this is something you aspired to. Is some some odd fiddly horror with dolls and action, action not action figures, but you know what I mean, you've f- fucked around with re- weird bits and had ambitions in this direction, I feel. And that's all they remained was ambition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if you'd, if you'd have made this, I'd be mildly impressed, but also a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, so why did you pick uh, Asylum other than you know, spookiness? Um, well, it was, it was, it was spooky season coming up and we needed to do a horror film and I, I'm not sure if we've done a horror anthology before. I They're mean, it's, it's common, aren't they? Yeah. It's a pretty big staple of horror films is the horror anthology. What is it about horror stories? The, is it the campfireness of them where they have, they end up being quite short. So, um, like a movie has to create tension and have a, an intriguing plot throughout whereas uh spooky stories are you know and they were mean to the cow and then when they made burgers out of it the burgers were ghosts you know like they tend to be quite da, 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 da. and then the the twist was uh, i don't know satan haunted the car you know do, do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, my yeah, examples I are a little odd from, but... i guess it just comes from like horror like short stories i think they like like you said, just the the horror um, genre as a kind of as a thing works very well in kind of short spurts. Yeah, ghost stories don't really work if it takes an hour and a half to tell them. Therefore, they're more suited to like anthologies where you just go, "Oh, isn't that weird how the dog came back from the grave and 
something or other happened to the master and you know yeah so this one this one popped up in my searches and i thought hmm, you know british film actually what it was was i watched the the trailer and i was like i was confused at first because i thought it was like the parody trailer from the um the grindhouse film series <laughs> sure i mean it does look like a parody i was like oh my god this is this is it like this, this, it must have been based on this the trailer for this uh, at least in part because i i was fooled yeah for a, a good minute and i'm like am i watching a real film or is this like edgar wright doing a parody but no it was a real film and it was this and very coincidentally it happened to star robert powell from the uh, uh, fix. Yeah, that's what, what I say. Because we not long ago we also did the film uh, "The Ass Fix," starring yes. Robert Powell, and it was released in the same year as "The Asylum." So I was kind of—it <laughs> made me go through his um, go through his IMDb, hoping for another film starting with "ass," so we can have <laughs> Powell's "Ass" trilogy. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> to me. Yeah, Ass Fix, Ass Asylum, oh. and uh, you know, he does need to be in uh, another one. <laughs> Asses of. There was not another one. Yeah. Ass Assassins or something, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, it's not, not as funny to say Ass Asylum, though. Ass Fix does sound particularly good. This Fix. Oh, yeah, sorry, this Fix. No, it's the Ass Fix. It is. <laughs> It is. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, um, it's certainly a weird one. It felt very you, Anthony. There was no one else I would have expected to come across this fucking weird shit. As soon as, like, um, parcels of meat were, like, coming alive and shifted around. <laughs> and then as soon as there was, like, a, a robot doll thing, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I can see what appealed here. I know what's going on here. <laughs> uh, had you um, come across this or heard of it before, Abby? Oh no! Because it's well, horrors outside my remit. So you've had you've had calls to like pack shelves full of horror arrow DVDs and things. Do you know what I mean? Like you might. Have... This would absolutely be up the rally. Actually, I'm going to check to see if they have it because this is so something that they would have. They don't. They would though. Okay. Good. Thanks. <laughs> Fact checked. Well, anyway, so you hadn't come across it. What were your expectations then? Well, like you say, it was one of Anthony's. Mm. So that puts it one of two ways. Either it's mad and disgusting or it's mad and laughable. Or both. It was kind of both. I I guess. At times. So that was my main thing where it's like, oh, this is going to be disgusting, but also hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could you could peg this from the trailer. I don't think it was too far from surprising. I thought it was maybe one story. I didn't twig that it was an anthology. Um, I think we, I think uh, something could have made sense of. I don't know. They don't. They don't naturally fit together. You think uh, initially when they start telling different stories, they might be a theme. But I guess the theme was madness. There is almost a theme of um, inanimate objects coming back to life, like voodoo or something, terrorize you. But then not, there's the one with the, with the double identity woman, which doesn't quite yeah. fit in. There's the odd woman out, as you, as it, if you will. 
Yeah. All right. Well, this, um, I mean, I hadn't seen it or heard of it, and I, much, much like you, Abby, thought the same when uh, it came up. I don't have much else to, I didn't have anything, you know, leading my judgment. Which, there was one thing, actually. When I was looking at the trailer, because I didn't know the context of the parcels, I thought, like, steaks and, like, uh, pig legs were attacking people. Mm. <laughs> they were wrapped up in paper. Yeah, because it's the waxy paper and string of like old school butcher shops. Yeah, but then they are very much like leg and woman's tits shaped and stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right. So this film, Asylum. Uh, <clears throat> fucking hell. Uh, so yeah, like you, you kind of. Summed up in the in the blurb what it's about, but uh, I guess to reiterate, this is uh, a man from Asfix is back, and uh, he's a doctor in this, uh, a new doctor, and he's going along to a big, uh, you know, a stately home that's been turned into a mental health institute of sorts, and gets like a is, is it a job interview? Or, is that right? Sort of, hmm. yeah. It's inferred that he's going to be potentially working there and that he doesn't agree with what he's heard from the head honcho, or at least one of the doctors who works there. He's in his office with him. And he's like, oh, this uh, sounds like you're not trying to uh, help people back and rehabilitate them. It sounds like you're just fucking, you know, trapping people and, you know, you're not not treating them humanely enough or something. So he's, he's a nice liberal modern doctor for the times. And uh, is not heartened by what he hears from this guy. What's the what's the doctor at the start called? Because the, the place is named after the other doctor, isn't it? Star, uh, Doctor Star is the one who's MIA. Yeah. Does anyone know the name of the the, the guy we meet at the start? Oh, Martin. 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 Doc Martin. Like the shoe. <laughs> See, old Doc Martin. How did he strike you guys when he starts uh, talking to? Uh, sorry, I've forgotten that. Doctor. Fuck, Doctor Martin, Doctor Star, and Doctor Rutherford. Rutherford, right? So Rutherford, young guy. And, no, no, uh, no. We, we've got all mixed up here. Oh, Rutherford Robert is Powell, yes, the young guy is Doctor Martin. Okay, Doc the... Martin, right. The the warden in the wheelchair is Dr. Rutherford. And yeah. the gone insane doctor is Dr. Star. Spoilers. Oh, well, well that is that early doors, isn't it? Right, okay. <laughs> Rutherford, Star, and Pine. Um, but what do you guys make of uh, Rutherford, then, when he starts uh, setting up the 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 joint and trying to, trying to be a bit, oh, I'm clever, you'll see, <laughs> you know. You mean Martin? No, I don't. I mean Rutherford, <laughs> the wheelchair guy. What did you make of it? Oh, the wheelchair said? guy. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were describing what Martin was like. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> what did you make of Dr. Rutherford? You know, when, the, when Doc Martin turns up, Rutherford is basically explaining the place to him. And what did you make of him, this guy? You know, he's the, mm, I'm a bit mad, but, you know, you have to, you don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. You know, <laughs> like, he's, like, a bit odd, isn't he? What did you make of him? 
what did you think was going to be the situation? Um, I suppose from the beginning, you think like, oh, like this guy is going to be up to something. You know what I mean? You think he, they kind of set him up as the antagonist. Like he's got some sort of ploy going on. Ace up his sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were you guess were you instantly like this is this guy's lying and he's up he's gonna like is it a big trap or what were you you know what would you have guessed? That was my first impression was that like he's not being completely honest here and there's something up. Yeah, uh, I mean you're bound to think that, aren't you? Yeah. After I stopped confusing him with the the guy from um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which guy? <laughs> the uh, oh, the guy in the wheelchair, no. the doctor in the wheelchair. But not not just that, but him melded with the narrator. <laughs> he did sound a lot my... like the narrator, actually. It's very similar. I don't know accent. what my brain was doing, but like it just melded them too, and it was like that's the guy from a Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's not. Well, it's, it's, really not. it's just a jump to the left. So I see what you did there. Ooh, it was a pelvic thrust. Yeah. Hi. Classic, uh, ooh, I'm up to something, but you won't know what until you explore. <laughs> Didn't sound very accurate. Yeah, it is, it is kind of a, like a classic setup, isn't it? New guy comes in, thinks he knows everything. The old guard are there going, no, no, you don't know anything. And then mayhem ensues. Yeah. You should always meet the residents, though, before you start making up your mind what to do with them. What, what to do with them. We'll see. Uh, Abby, what were, you, um, what were your first reactions to the setup of this? It's sort of a, it bookends the movie, this concept of uh, meet, meet and interrogate the patients and find out what the asylum's like. And uh, they have a guessing game, mostly. No, it was... Part of what they had to do to make this work was make it crazy because they just act like it's fine that one of the doctors just got sectioned. Like, what did he say, like, a couple of days ago? Yes. He's like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. If you could work out who it is, you could have the job. It's like, is this not a, is this not a problem? Should there not be, like, health inspectors? Or yeah, yeah. Something? I think the thing, that, the thing that is most worrying is he, he makes a big fuss about, oh, yeah, we've got this special security door that I can activate from here and only from here. And as soon as you go through... I'll be able to let you in and out, so just let me know. Uh, and it's like, is it? you fucking definitely trapping in here and he's going to be joining the asylum of inmates then, is he? I assume he'd be sort of driving that guy crazy and, I guess, mm. increasing the population of the asylum. Because, you know, they do need more more patients. They've only got four. <laughs> so it's not... There's a whole huge manor house, and it's like it's four in one tiny bit upstairs. And then the guy in charge has a wheelchair, so he can't even go up there. Like they said that oh the new doctor I don't really I can't really get up to see him, uh or the oh, sorry Doctor Star has been in, interned I can't get up there um because of the wheelchair so awkward we don't have accessibility it's just a real fucking shit show definitely need to get people in here start mm. interfering with how it's being run but we find out that that's although it is a bit, him being in a wheelchair is a bit of a clue to one of the twists at the end I suppose. How do you mean? That he can't go upstairs and see what's going on. Right, therefore... He doesn't know who's upstairs. Oh, 
but uh, I thought he was partly in on it. It was a bit confusing because when you get to the the twist or the reveal, it it sort of um, it kind of fucks this guy over and out of it, and it's like wait, 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 wait. So is this guy he's acting like a he's acting like a creep, but is into the is clearly part of the something's a foot scenario, and then he he's bumped off essentially, and it's like wait, so was he? Did he know? <laughs> was was he in on it? And he got betrayed, or you know, mm. like did you? Was this guy in on it? Like a genuine question. No, I don't think so. I mean, he gets murdered. <laughs> well, he didn't mean the 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 Machiavellian. Well, the the evil doctor, I guess, uh, didn't do it. It was just an evil patient. Did that sense? Wasn't it? That wasn't like they have two sort of malevolent people at work in the one asylum. And they've kind of gone separate. They're on separate missions, really, aren't they? I suppose. I, know, I think they just wanted to... I don't think he's supposed to be in on it, though. So he just acts like a prick who's clearly setting something up to be clever. But they must have <laughs> known. I mean, uh, oh, whatever, yeah. Just this if you can guess shit. He must have known, hmm, it'll be the... It'll actually be the... What's the name of the person... What's the name of the, the person who shows... Uh, who's in charge of, like... Not security, but the orderly. The orderly was the real doctor, is it? Max. Is that so? Mac, he did he know Max the orderly was running a muck up there, or did he actually think one of the patients was the doctor? And you'll see, and you'll guess very boringly or something. I I I don't know if they explain at the end that it just happened, like he just murdered the other orderly, not the other orderly, the orderly before. Like between the phone call and him getting upstairs, or it wouldn't have been. Getting... It no, he been said he was a couple of days old. No, there we go then. But they must have been in on it together because the the whole ploy was you won't guess because you visit all the patients and you won't realize that it's the orderly that was the previous doctor because he does he knows he's had a complete change. He says Doctor Star, who the place is named uh, after or is in charge, went mad or something. And so he must, have, and then he then today recently he has he has become a new character. It sort of infers some sort of schizophrenia, where he he's no longer who he thought he was, but he is an he's a, acting like a new person. And so, hey, okay. I can buy it. I can buy it because the he got the guy uh, Rutherford got bumped off just by another patient. It wasn't actually uh, Doctor Star doing it. So. Because Dr. Starr runs to stop the other patient, I think, at the end, doesn't he? He's, like, up too late. Yes. It's just a very it's a very muddled horror film where it's trying to have extra twists in it and it, does, it doesn't satisfy the same as other, uh, you know, cre- when you have these creepy stories, you want it to be like, ah, mm, yes. Like, you, you want the satisfaction of maybe being able to guess, but also... You can quite easily enjoy a surprise, but you want when the surprise comes, you want it to be satisfying and it made sense and the clues were there. Whereas this was a bit, well, just some of, any old bollocks to make it weird, you know? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, a nice, it's a nice framing device, though. The whole, you know, interviewing oh, yeah. the, um, mm. the thing, interviewing then, the patients. And then I suppose it, 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 it becomes the. The fourth one, then the framing device becomes the fourth story, 
sort of yes. at the end. Yeah, it, it did. I was thinking for time when it was getting towards the end. I was like, they're not going to have time for another vignette story and then a bookend, finish the bookend off and explain the overall story. But then they went, this last guy is well complicated, but he's merging into the final story. The fa- you know, the bookend becomes the fourth story or whatever, so they can wrap up quicker that way. Um, but yeah, it's a good framing device if you've got if you've got four good origin stories for you know Gotham, uh, Arkham Asylum inmates that didn't make it into Batman stories. You go, oh well, there's this character, and they became you know they got institutionalized because this happened to them, and then you tell a little gory, creepy story with maybe a bit of paranormal in there, paranormal business for fun. So if you have got four stories, it's a good wraparound. Um. You know, I'll say that much. This, this would make the perfect Batman spin-off, wouldn't it? <laughs> I was thinking. Yeah, you, you just, yeah. you just like, <laughs> like, you just tell. You can be a good origin for a few, like, oh, this is how Calendar Man and the Mad Hatter and Harley Quinn, and because Harley Quinn's story is kind of like she used to be a psychiatrist, and then you know, you tell the Joker story maybe, and then later on you talk to Harley Quinn and you you know figure out she was the intern doctor. And then it was all actually Joker was the warden all along or something. You know what I mean? Or Do- Do- Joker is wearing human makeup, like he's p- he's put pink makeup on his white face and dyed his hair or covered it up, and he's the orderly. You know, you could do it. And they like pe- peel off a mask or something and be like, "Ah, Batman, you locked." You know, it would work as a Batman story, definitely. This is probably not the time to have this tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> what what is the like the like a canon for the Joker is he white or is it makeup? Uh, there is not canon. There is a confused selection of things that happened at various points in history. Things we know. He generally it's accepted he he's either a mysterious man, an ex stand-up, or an ex gangster who fell into some sort of vat of acid that scarred him, and then sometimes he's bleached white. And then sometimes, uh, I guess his hair turned green, and the fact that his scarring looks like a, a smiling mouth uh, is enough to trigger this idea that he should paint himself like a clown. So I, I think his lips aren't like red or nothing, but he may be bleached. His hair may have dyed green, but mostly he's scarred, and because of the grinning visage, uh, he thinks I'm a clown man now. Thank you. <laughs> you know. Okay. So it's mostly gimmick. I've definitely seen some things where he's he's not scarred; he's just dressed up as a clown. Yeah, but also it's easier to in cartoon and comic form. It's easier to be like he just turned white. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but you don't question it. Like what acid like makes you albino? You know what I mean? Anyway, tangent over. Yeah, sorry. That's so, <laughs> fine. That's good. Um. Yeah, so Doc Martin. Uh, what's what's the guy who plays Doc Martin called? Robert Powell. Martin Clunes. Oh, Martin sorry. Clunes is the answer I was looking for. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doc Martin, but not not Martin Clunes, as you might expect. He is like, right? I'll, yeah, I'll take you a bet. I'll have a look at these patients, and then we're doing my things. My, we'll do things my way. If that's the bet, isn't it? We. I'm hired and we're doing things my way if I can suss out who the recently interned previous asylum doctor was. Um, so let me meet them. I'll have a little, you know, I'm not worried about you locking me in here permanently and how sus you've been. 
in I go, say hello to all of them, diagnose them basically, and be like, haha. And then part of it is, uh, there's like a little announce, like there's a little tan, not a tannoy, but like a little radio control thing panel that that um, Doctor Rutherford says to the orderly upstairs. Uh, you obviously prep for this. <laughs> don't tell him any. Don't give him any fucking clues. And <laughs> but he's gonna do his little guessing game. Let him in. I'm sending him up. Doctor Martin's coming, right? And then yes. I, did, I did find it odd how cheery he was as an orderly. Um, yeah, it made sense by the end, I guess. I kind of, I in, in my head, I that was my. If I was to put a bet on, I would have bet he was. The guy, because I knew it was going to be none of the patients, so it kind of left like, well, who will it be? It'll be like either the orderly or a nurse or the guy we met already. And the guy we met already is too obvious that he's up to something. So it was to me, it was quite obvious the orderly would be it. But I, you know, you had to sit, you had to go through the motions. So yeah, odd orderly guy. Um, what's he look? Is he um, Peter Cushion was in this, wasn't he? He was. I feel like the orderly guy looked a bit like Peter Cushing, though. He did. He did, actually. I, I do remember when I first saw him, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting Peter Cushing to be... I thought he'd be in one of the stories. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, you're not Peter Cushing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not Peter Cushing! You're smiling too much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, um, he's met by the orderly, and the orderly's like, ah, no clues. And also the Rutherford's like, uh, okay, so two of these are women, uh, but who said Doctor Star was a, wasn't a woman? Don't be sexist, no, Doc Martin. You're like, oh, the Doctor's a man, obviously. But they were very young women, so they probably didn't have enough time to get PhDs and become in charge of uh, asylums. So you could have easily just on the on the details without even meeting them, be like, well, it's not them. Anyone too young can't be the doctor. <clears throat> but okay. He plays the game. What, do we, what was the first story, guys? The first story was called Frozen Fear. Oh my god! <laughs> and yeah, in the, fir- in the first cell is a lady named Bonnie. And she always has her back to the camera. Uh, so we assume there's something weird going on with her face. But we don't quite know what yet. And it's about her recounting the story of her and her lover trying to dispose of her lover's wife. What's what's weird here is Bonnie's telling the story and she's not in the story for a while. So her uh the man that she's having an affair with is a married guy. And it's from his perspective, he's just fucking dossing around his house having a drink. And then his wife turns up and they have a sort of domestic, don't they? And all of this is while Bonnie's just in a car somewhere. <laughs> So she's like, I presume it went down a bit like this, even though how would I know he was dead by the time I got there? Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Abby, are you a big stickler for consistency and logic and sense, or it was this going to be a huge fucking problem throughout the whole film? I knew to not think about stuff like that as soon as I saw the trailer. Like, <laughs> They're all, it's silly, and meat comes alive, and uh, you know, they're all mad anyway. They're crazy. Their stories don't have to be literally true, do they? I think Dr. Martin is going to hear the stories and be like, well, I can interpret these people who have fantasy stories and, you know, maybe there's some truth in them. It's more telling 
to their psyche than it is to the actual facts of why they're here, isn't it? So he can be he can be a bit like, well, let's just hear you out. You tell me your version, and I'll diagnose you. But yeah, frozen fear. Uh, you, you, I feel like a lot of horror stories are to do with uh, frozen meats as well. I mean, I know it's not frozen meat in this per se, but I feel like there's a, there's that one story about the perfect murder weapon being like a frozen leg of lamb that you bonk someone over the head, then you cook it and eat it, and there's no weapon, so there's no crime. I feel like more horror stories involve like frozen packages <laughs> of meat and. So the cannibalism always comes into stories like this, doesn't it? Is it a trope? And I guess the coffin freezer is like a you know classic bit of symbolism for keeping a corpse in, isn't it? Am I am I onto something, guys? Do you frozen. I'm trying to think. Like I haven't seen that many, but yes, it feels like it. I mean, I, I had one example in fairness, but. I mean, meat. So, like, there's the we did um, ravenous, which was all about cannibalism and lots of there's lots of bloody meat steaks in that. But this is your this is your classic. I'm going to chop a corpse up and uh, oh shit, <laughs> it's that story in it. But domestic abuse. We have uh, can't remember their names, but a husband and wife who were like, you know, on the their marriage has been on the rocks, and then it, she's into something spiritual. Like she's been to some sort of voodoo related spiritual thing, hasn't she? When she comes home. Oh, she specified this is not voodoo. Oh, right. He says mumbo jumbo and voodoo, but she's like, uh, it's just Pilates, actually. It's nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> it's getting in shape. But you don't remember what it was? It was some fucking. It was some mumbo jumbo. She's off her head. I can't remember specifics, unfortunately. It didn't, it she didn't said matter. The, Bracelet was for protection against evil spirits. Did not help. Mm. Didn't that? But it did bring her back to life as a corpse. So and get her revenge. <laughs> yeah, as she was very, uh, no pun intended, handy when she was dead and chopped up. <laughs> like she didn't come back to life while she was uh, in one piece. She waited to wait until she was chopped up, parceled away, and locked in a freezer before but she was. She like, didn't. Right. She didn't have the 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 talisman, whatever you want to call it. Like, he threw it he threw it into the freezer with her at the end. At the, is that what happened? I, yeah, I, I he assume... wasn't sure what to do with it, yeah. so he tossed it in there. And that was the key, because she had this uh, odd talisman to do with her beliefs, I guess. Yeah, they, they, they fall out, and then he's basically been having an affair, and she's like, you're, you're not leaving, I'm not granting you a divorce. And there's a sense that they might get their marriage back Again, and he's like, I got a present for you down in the basement. And she was genuinely thrilled to get a massive freezer. So that's on her. <laughs> like, ah, oh, sweet. Uh, it's the 70s. <laughs> I think I think we had that freezer, not in the 70s, in the 80s or 90s. We had, I think like, everyone had one of those big chest freezers at some point. They can't buy it. It looked like exactly that model. It must have just been a, one look to them all. Now, that's definitely a horror trope, the fucking the giant chest freezer. Perfect, isn't it? For I mean, it's just just a good idea for for horror and mob people to just keep people on ice until you can dispose of them. But it was it was interesting to see a kind of like reverse domestic abuse thing where the the wife is in charge and she has all the money and she's the one keeping the husband around. 
Well, I don't know how reverse it is for the man to be the violent one. I think that's pretty common of actual domestic abuse. <laughs> What's he say? He yes. says, like, I, I've got another present for you, and then it's a fucking, I don't know, was it an axe to the face or something? <laughs> What's an axe to the face? This bird. Oh, thanks. I've always wanted it. You got me a freezer and an axe. I'm so happy we can chop all the wood for a bonfire and store all of our food and be really happy together. So Bonnie is in on this murder plan. Like she, I guess, wants to have an affair with this guy. And then because of the wife's a fucking bitch, the guy's going to, is the husband's going to kill her, chop her up, bang her in the new freezer until they can dispose of the body. And then they're going to like alight on a flight away, uh, I guess, and not face any consequences for their crimes. Hopefully not get found out. But that's all. That's you know she's coming there because she's going to help get, dispose of the body. We don't know how, but they've packed packed her packed the corpse up into nice uh, carryable chunks, like <laughs> but very fastidiously wrapped everything up so it gives the outline of every body part. Also, like he does, he mops on the floor cloth and all that stuff. But where did all that blood go? Where did just, it go? Just ring it out that... in the drain. Paper is immaculate. <laughs> He's just going to make a nice soup with it. Yeah, just put it in a cauldron. I will say the one kind of creepy image in this whole film was the kind of wrapped up body parts, kind of vaguely resembling a, a body in the in the freezer. Mm. Nothing scarier than a, an articulating knee with nothing else attached. Oh, don't kick not me scary, to but creepy. Unsettling. Yeah. yeah, shifting body parts that you can see the outline of are kind of creepy, but you know, inexplicable also. But yeah, that's the the thing is, uh, uh, what's the I don't know. Whatever, the husband basically so has chopped up his wife, tidied up immaculately, as Abby says, wrapped her in wax paper with string. So I guess either so it looks like me, or so it could just neatly be packaged. Um, must and have then beforehand, salted them. It's got a, a, bit, a bit, bit of peppercorn sauce, and they're going to eat it for tea <laughs> to oh, try up all the blood. Lovely thigh. Mm. Uh, yeah. So the problem is, though, having done this, he, like you said, he, he chucks in the talisman thing, and that grants some sort of voodoo regenerative power. Like if you're, if you, so you're dead, you're chopped up, you come back to life. You're vengeful. Your body parts are all separate. <laughs> You're packed away. Can't You're blind. <laughs> you feel. You feel. You generally feel. You've never had all your body parts separate before. You got. You come back to life. You got to instinctively. Uh, you know, use your body parts to get about the place. And this woman manages to do that. Like her head gets about. Her arms climb the rafters and stuff, and can jump out on you and strangle the guy. <laughs> Weirdly, her head seems to be the one that gets about the most. Yeah. Is there some sort of uh, spiritual seeing going on, perhaps? Because she's in the afterlife. There's sort of inferred paranormal powers of knowledge to it all. We can but assume. We have to give her a lot of benefit of the doubt. So she's she's very handy, like an army and leggy and haha. But her torso... (laughs) 
her, her, her torso and her outlined breasts are like around the corner from the freezer, I think. And her legs are strewn about and her head gets going. And I think there's an initial like, oh God, what's happening? The parcels are moving. And then, uh-oh, what you know, the guy's grotted and sort of fish hooked into the freezer and killed, presumably strangled. Uh, next to the fish sticks or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. At first, you don't get much of that. You get like you, you get the the head rolling in the kitchen, which disappears, Mysterious. and then you get the arm coming out of the freezer. Yes, that's that's how he dies, isn't it? Yeah. And then most of the terror is reserved for Bonnie. Yeah, the the the, the woman, the her, the wife, all chopped up, doesn't resort to packing the guy up nice in wax paper. Maybe she doesn't have time or the ability to wield an axe. Um, but the body parts got got him from beyond the grave. I, uh, you know, I changed into my second pair of pants at that stage, uh, having soiled myself with fear. Um, I can never look at a wrapped up piece of meat the same way. <laughs> and then we have the classic uh, teasing out the what's going on. Bonnie comes there. She's like, "Hello," like she's looking for a partner. I think she dobs herself in as to you know what the plan is. To alight after disposing of the murder victim, and then oh, down to see what's going on. And what does she come across first in the in the basement? Is it the leg? I think it's the leg that comes out first. Or did she discover? She discovers the yeah. It sort of does that borderline stripper stick the leg out of the wood pile. Yes. Oh wait, no. Well, first she discovers the dead body of um, the husband. Yeah, yeah. Oh, then she goes to run out, but the head is at the top of the stairs. Oh, with the paper coming in and out, like breathing. Yeah, Yeah. they ruined that by having that that very mechanical sound. That (laughs) (laughs) sound of the air coming in and out. You try breathing when your head's chopped off, Abby. (laughs) Nah. We've got the same, uh, it's reanimated logic, isn't it? That even though nothing's connected, everything can fucking function. I mean, I know it's like voodoo and stuff, but like, why would you need to breathe if you're not connected to the lungs? <laughs> how does how does any of this work? It's anyway, just yeah. for the image. <laughs> oh, the head parcel's going to get you. Oh, the arms are coming down from the rafters. She has a little bit of a fight trying to get away from all these packages. Before it's 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 an odd one. It's it's a weird balance because, like, first of all, yes, it's a bit freaky. There's things moving that shouldn't be moving. But then, would it be so hard just to step over them and leave? <laughs> you could, you could. I, I, I'll say right now. I think I could defeat a parcel of limbs, breathing and moving <laughs> or not. I'd be like, oh, this is fine. But she does survive <laughs> after all. Um, so, in fairness to her, she gets hold of an axe. And then softly axes the the body part that's attack the arm that's attacking her. In the, she axes the arm that's attacking her on her own face, and presumably keeps doing that until it, she kills it and scars herself somehow. Um, or you know, if she's an insane person, had a, a breakdown in the in the basement and axed her own face somehow, and then got found by paramedics. And of course, all the body parts have disappeared. They all. I don't know, ran off into the woods and there's various, like, lady parts out there <laughs> terrorising <laughs> other men who cheat on their wives. Uh, they're at large, or at many small pieces. Um, yeah, and so, I don't, you know, she got brought there because she looks like she murdered her 
murdered her uh, um, lover, and I don't know, maybe she's even to blame for the missing woman. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's a, so that's a bummer, isn't it? So they then the reveal to Doc Martin is the reason I'm not facing you is because I do have a scar on my face from the axe that I awkwardly pressed at myself. Oof. Yeah, awesome. and whilst in real life, you know, that would be a terrible scar. As a reveal, it's like, well, that could have been a bit gorier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to... I don't like to critique axe wounds, at least uh, not unless <laughs> I'm on a special website for adults only. <laughs> then I'm more than happy. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a bit hokey, though, generally. But maybe you should yeah, I, I think. Child. It 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 was certainly had the more the most creepiest elements of all the stories so far um, so far in the thing, and I I think it's probably my favorite, but kind of like for the wrong reasons. Yeah, is that like when it's happening when she's being kind of like terrorized, like the music they're playing is a kind of jaunty kind of humorful music instead of like scary creepy music. And it just makes the whole thing really laughable, and I kind of enjoyed it for the the campiness that 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 music kind of brought to the whole the whole bit at the end there. Yeah, it is funny, and it is uh, it's creative as well. Like you know, you know that there's you know actors with arms in parcels. You do it, you know, you get how it works, but it's like an imaginative way to do spooky business, isn't it, Lido? Like easily, yeah. easily. Done, but also it takes a bit of finessing and uh, stuff to make it work. Uh, you know, you can appreciate it on a kind of crude comedy level. And I will say, of all the body parts, it was the torso that was the most unsettling for me. <laughs> it can't even do much, but it is just like a woman's figure coming at you without anything else going on. I think that's it. It's like it, it doesn't do anything, it just moves very slowly and slightly and it's like there's some sort of realism to that which is unsettling if i had to choose a body part to be killed by i think a woman's torso smothering me to death would be all right <laughs> there you go <laughs> so i mean i don't know how doc martin is gonna i mean he obviously can go ah yes okay i think he does come up with some diagnosis of trauma paranoid something I don't know. yes and I don't know how he'd think that story explains how the d- Doctor Star, like, how would that fit in? Like, well, he was a doctor and then he thought he did a weird murder that has nothing to do with it. Uh, or well, she... they, he does say that he has a, a completely new personality now. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and like, was it, was Doctor Star a man, question mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she had a breakdown and then thought she was that woman. But also gave herself a scar. I mean, it didn't fit. Anyway, Doc Martin's like, cool, that's nice. See you later. Also, <laughs> she's a bit like, no one, everyone likes to talk here, but no one listens. And it's like, I listen. And then I won't believe you. Good day. Uh, so, yeah. Easy one to dismiss as well. That's a mentally ill person. Moving on, who's our patient number two? Uh, the tailor. Who's his name? Bruno. So he's an old in man story, <laughs> in a story called "The Weird Tailor." Not a very imaginative babe, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. I also take umbrage with that because the tailor wasn't weird. He just did his job 
Yeah, yeah he was he was weird, didn't he? He was a bit desperate and poor, but what would you call it then? The fucking uh, the the suit of rebirth, <laughs> the, the magic fabric, the malicious mannequin. So weird Taylor, he's he's imagining himself darning something, and then he he spins his tail, uh, of being an impoverished, uh, suit, Taylor obviously. So he he's just an old guy. Uh, he lives in some sort of horrible basement dwelling shop. I don't know. He's, he lives in a dank shop, I think. Uh, Can't pay his rent. Yeah, he's behind the rent. The landlord's a bit of a prick and they're very demanding of the money sued or he'd be evicted. So he needs a good client to come along and pay. He needs some he needs to make some cash uh real quick. But uh conveniently, Peter Cushion is his uh very weird and uh like he's a rich or presumed rich uh customer who wants a specialist piece of fabric turned into a suit for his son. And uh, you you could say it's a present, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's got this shiny weird fabric. He's like, you got to use, you got to make it with this. And after that's precise times to the, like, he's got like a very detailed piece of paper saying you have to do it after midnight because that's spookier. <laughs> it's scarier if you have to do, if you may tailor it at night. <laughs> what else were what were the instructions were there for like making this suit? It was very it looked weird. We didn't see many of it, which disappointed me actually. They could have done more with this where you got a little bit more of the ooky spooky stuff from the guy. You have to stitch it with the with goats uh for and you over a pentagram and uh, what would you have had happen to the suit? Like to make it creepier. So I, I get just more, you know, rather than at between twelve and four in the night. Just yeah, inconvenient. Just, just a couple of more details, you know. The, the with silk, you have to sew it with silkworms that have been fed on the corpse of a sacrificial lamb. Maybe not that. I'm just trying to think what it would be. I can't think of anything too. Yeah, I think that's that's probably it. It's like anything else would be would be why am I doing this again? You gotta use these (laughs) these needles that were forged in the fires of Mordor. (laughs) Um yeah. But it would have been nice to have a couple more details, you know. The the tailor does do one one time he tries to work longer on the like he works beyond the time and he cuts himself and he goes, fuck I I cut myself right at the moment where I should have stopped doing it anyway. But I instantly would have been like, oh, yeah, straight to the letter. How will you be checking up? I did it at midnight. There's literally no way to tell. <laughs> I literally, I'd be <laughs> which I thought, straight away. Which I thought was what was going to happen was that he wasn't going to obey the rules because like, he had to finish it quickly at the end or something. Yes. And then that was going to affect something down the line. But uh, that didn't really happen. That could have brought some sort of uh, ironic curse on the situation, yeah. Because mm. it is a bit of a uh, what are you on about? I mean, but if a guy's paying, it's no hard fucking just do it how he wants, for Christ's sake. The customer knows best. Peter Cushing's also. Think, what did you guys think of the the way they did the material? Because I'm in two minds. Like, I kind of like it, but it's, it also didn't quite fit with the aesthetic of the, the whole story. 
thing it's just like it's the band i think it's the same material that you get as bands on high vis sometimes in construction hmm. or like they have in our warehouse at work as well so i just look at that and think you've just made a suit out of some high vis material but it's i suppose in the 70s that was like, unusual it's shimmers no but it's not real it was like shimmering with a video effect of like multicolored magic material wasn't it? it wasn't like literally luminescent or anything yeah, it might be a combination because the, it did have a weird looking quality to it to begin with i think yeah for me i think it was just the clash of aesthetics because this was the most kind of um not normal what am i talking about like the most typical kind of horror story kind of kind of it had that kind of like victorian horror story edge to it and then what the shiny visual effect didn't work or yeah kind of it was, it was a little brought you out of it a bit for me yeah we can find out bit too much just didn't quite fit the aesthetic you know what i mean yeah because we find out peter cushion has come across some sort of uh magical almanac that has magic tailoring uh, uh, instructions in and so he but he's also paid a lot for this material and the book and everything it's cost him a lot because he his plan is to resurrect his dead son uh rather than process the grief uh <laughs> so he's spent all his money on that and has got this material at, at some grave cost and we don't know what what goes into the magic we just know it's weird magic cloth that's very difficult to work with um and then the tailor's like oh like, to him it's weird but it's not like fucking hell this is like paranormal magic material <laughs> Like he, like he's. It looks weird, but it, it looks really fucking odd, I guess. But equally, it's not so remarkable you'd tell anyone about it, I guess. So he's like, uh, you know, it's going to cost you basically. I don't think they establish a price. They just say, oh, so all this, this awkward material plus the specifics you want. And the guy's like, that's cool. I, I'm rich, I, I guess. Um, he is not faker. Uh oh, that's genuine. What a prick! Like. What about oh, your pre- ring? Nah, take me. We sell the house. <laughs> Fucking live in a big dank mansion. I mean, payment scheme. There's got to be. I mean, no. What was this Tory cunt coming with his fucking "I'm entitled to everything" attitude? Desperation doesn't pay the bills, mate. Anyway, the tailor doesn't know that he has to make this oddly. It looks kind of white in some of the time. Multicolored suit thing. Not 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 kind of Joseph levels. Uh. But you know, shimmering suit, slightly odd design, looks arcane but an unusual. And, you know, he goes about it. He does it in the time parameters um, for the guy, and he's like, "You got to bring it to me straight away." So he gets it done, and he's like, and then the tailor's telling his wife, "I just got to pop it along and get." He gets dressed and tidies himself up, and uh, goes to Peter Cushing, who has uh, told him, "You do it exactly by to the letter, mate. Seriously, bro." I'm not sure Peter Cushion could really trust the tailor either to do it that way, but I guess he had no choice. Mm. It's a bit extra to watch him do it properly. But yeah, he does. He goes to Peter Cushion and is like, "Hey, got your thing?" And he's like, "Good. You got the, uh, you know, he wants wants to see the goods, uh, or he doesn't want to see the. He's like, he doesn't want him to come in and see his son is is uh, in a coffin in another room. He doesn't want that. But what's his plan here? Like, oh, I just have the suit and pay you eventually." Well, he does. He does produce a gun at some point, so there, there may have been a 
a backup plan of just killing him if, if something goes wrong. Yeah, he's desperate, so he hasn't got any money to pay, so he's just like, you're doing it. And he could have, if the guy hadn't, if the tailor had been like, yeah, okay, you could pay me in installments down the line. If he was financially solvent and fine, uh, it's kind of bollocks that you're not paying me. But okay, okay, let's set up a payment scheme and interest rates and everything. Okay, bye. Here's your safe to do what you want with it. Then we would have, presumably, he would have resurrected his son. It would have been the first ever suit-based resurrection. Unless the people who made the magic book had done it before. Also, was his son supposed to be Edgar Allan Poe? Because he looked a he lot He looked like exactly him. like Edgar Allan Poe, didn't he? Uh, that's spooky. He's a creep, isn't he? Original goth. How long had the son been dead? He's like an adult son. But, like, how long had he been there? I'd assume it must have been, like, months. You're looking a bit peaky, but you know, yeah, this guy had to source a magical book that resurrects people uh, and the material, and also believe this shit. <laughs> he had to start off from a position of believing in mumbo-jumbo. There's a whole origin story to this fabric of the book that I want to get into, but we can't, because that's not the story. But yeah, it kicks off, basically. The tailor's like, what's going on? Your son's dead. What are you doing? What's going on? Like, I think does Peter Cush show him the book, or does he find out about the book? Like, he does. Yeah, he does show him the book. Yeah. And so, basically, because of the lack of payment, he won't give up the suit, and it comes to a kerfuffle and a, and a fight, and a, a gun is wrestled, and uh, yeah, Peter Cushing is uh, shot, and fatally, uh, well, dead. He's dead. But, you know, the guy should have then popped the suit and put, oh, you don't want Cushing alive again, but maybe you could try the coat out on Peter Cushing. See if it... Oh, shit, I killed someone. Put the coat on him. He's alive. Right, don't kill me, mate. I brought you back. We're going to make another suit, or you can take turns of the suit with your son. You know, maybe an experiment could have gone on. Well, now that you've got two corpses in a magical suit, but this guy's too preoccupied with getting away with a crime, isn't he? I wish it had been about the mannequin sooner, actually. Mm. Oh, as soon as the mannequin was a thing, I was like, this is it, man. Well, you oh, just like the film. I'm just so in for hours. <laughs> you liked the film Mannequin. You wanted it to be a sequel to Mannequin on the Move. <laughs> and all mannequins. Actually, surely. <laughs> the mannequin in this does look a bit like the, the guy when he becomes a mannequin in Mannequin on the Move. He looks like a melty version of... Uh, Raul Julia. Honestly, how I didn't twig that the mannequin was going to come to life when I first saw it, I don't know. Because once it there's happened, there's no reason for it to look like years. that. It <laughs> yeah. looks really melty and horrible. It's a really horrible, disgusting mannequin as well. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that to put down to it being a horror movie and how much to it being the 1970s. It's just shit. <laughs> I think yeah. they had it look horrible. They should have done an uncanny one that was quite a good mannequin. So it was uncanny when it came to life. Like, you know, the upshot is the tailor, upon fleeing the crime scene, nicked the book as payment. I just, why not? It? I've committed a murder. Maybe this is evidence of something. He'll, they'll they have a clue to that the tailor was involved. And then he gets back to his gaff, uh, back to his tailor, you know, his shop. And then he's like, oh, wife, burn the book and, uh, and the suit and everything. And then so the wife's like, ah, oh, fuck that noise. Did it look good on the mannequin? Pop it on that. Maybe we'll get some extra sales. And then, uh-oh. Uh-oh. The mannequin is now alive. Because this was going to bring people back to life. 
our inanimate our inanimate objects back to life also? Would a hanger have come to life? What what does it take the suit to be on? <laughs> I think it needs on, like... to be on a body of some kind. What about like a, a clothes horse? Does that, that suddenly like start running around like an actual horse? <laughs> I don't think you understand how clothes horses work. I don't think you understand how magical suits work. <laughs> I think there still has to be like an appendage in every like every sleeve, every trouser hole. There needs to be of... some kind of central body. It doesn't even necessarily need a head. What if it you've just got a few needs to sticks and fill the suit. So if you like fill the suit up with bric-a-brac and household crap, will that become a human body or more like I think it would operate more like the gump. Yeah, and there was a return to us. You tape tape a bunch of crap together. Put a put a, a moose head in a suit with a torso made of couches and sticks, and then it's like, one minute I was shot, the next minute I'm back alive. Dorothy, <laughs> what's going? Oh fuck, shit! I don't know, but like, presumably this mannequin came. So this mannequin came alive, and it not only came alive, and it, was, it wasn't like cool about it. It was malicious. What is was the motivation for the mannequin? Like the guy was being horrible to his wife or something. And he's like. The mannequin... Yeah, because she says that wife. she talks to him often. Sorry, go on, Abby. Yeah, she said she gave him a name and that she talks to him all the time. So I think it was protecting her. So is the end of this story that the wife and the mannequin are now lovers? She like just fucks this plastic man. Melty, Melty Bob or whatever his name was. I don't know. And I don't want to know. <laughs> it's in my head canon now, so... Oh. <laughs> yeah, for for whatever reason, this mannequin attacks them. Does the, it doesn't succeed in killing him because he's in the asylum now? What, how does what happens to the mannequin? It, it does it kill the wife? What happens? It, the the story kind of ends there, where it comes to life and starts attacking the guy. And now it's just like a Doctor Who villain off on its own adventures. <laughs> yes, that's where he screams anyway. It's out there, you know. Please believe me. So there's a bunch of. Body parts in parcels and a mannequin out there, <laughs> up to no good. Whereas innocent people are being locked away. So that's the horrible. That's the that's the NHS view. <laughs> true, <laughs> true, sane people locked away while magical things attack people. Awful. It was the it was the most classic horror story feeling one. Still um, no logic implied though. No. I mean, Peter Cushing lends it an air just from being Peter Cushing, but yeah. like like Abby says, like until the mannequin shows up, there's really not much to it, and then he's only in there for five seconds. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's a letdown, but they are very, they're of a sort of stupid uh, might scare a child, like the creepy packages, creepy mannequin. Sure, that's okay, I guess. The next story was a bit of a. Meh, one I think is the odd one out, and uh, yes. the most yes. like a genuine diagnosis of schizophrenia. Like I know what you, the guy's mad. Okay, he, he thinks something magic silly happened, and now he's in the asylum. Uh, I guess he couldn't pay the rent. We we swiftly move on from this idiot. He could be old enough to be a doctor, but uh, what ifs? <laughs> Onto a sexy woman. Oh, another another woman. This time we could see her face, and she seems fine. Um, what's her problem? <laughs> and what was her problem? Just classic schizophrenia. She thought she had an imaginary best friend. 
Oh, just another horror classic of stabby woman with scissors. They love they love the scissors, the women, don't they? What was it? We did uh, Clint Eastwood film, didn't we? Um, where a woman's using the scissors are involved as a murder weapon. Hmm. I'm sure we did. We do that for spoiler films. We've done something for a spoiler films. I think we did that. One. Get skilled with a pair of scissors. Record DJ guy. Um, like with M, what was it called? Fucking Call play previously for me, yeah. Play with no, anyway, yeah. Someone outside dead on the ground, stabbed by scissors. That's gonna mm. irritate me now that I can't remember what that is. Those those scissors like people, whatever in there in horror films, they never have just a tiny pair of nail scissors. It's always massive, like fabric cutting scissors. We didn't even see those in the tailor shop. Come on now. <laughs> I should have had a sword fight with a mannequin and a massive pair of uh, shears. But yes, this story is certainly the most most out of place one. Because it's pared down and reasonable. <laughs> yeah, if anything, this felt like it only being like 15 minutes was to its detriment. I felt like this could have been a proper like um, feature film. Um... If it had be... like more, to it, you know what I mean. Like I feel like it suffered from it because it was like it was really obvious that the the Lucy in this didn't exist and was just part of her mind. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the, the, like there was definitely a film in here where it wasn't so obvious, and it yeah, would have played out better it over did... a longer period. It did make it ambiguous, didn't it? I'm sure some stuff happened while she wasn't even in the house. What do you mean? I mean, they tried, but let's be honest, as soon as she showed up, you all knew she was imaginary, right? Yes. True. I mean, Especially because it's Brick Etland as well. Brick. Brit. What? Brit. Brit Etland. <laughs> what is the name of the actual woman called? Barbara. So, yeah, Barbara's being treated with kid gloves by a man we find out is her brother, but could easily be her husband when they sort of bring her, he brings her to back yeah. to the home. Um, and it's like, oh, you know, we're back, and she's a bit, oh, is, uh, is that so Lucy in the window or whatever? And then the guy's like, nah, bro, it's uh, the living nurse you're going to have, and we're going to get you back to normal, and fine, we're going to take a little care of you, get you back back on you, back to normal. Uh, definitely medicate you and look after have a nurse here 24-7, because you've been acting crazy. Um, it shows very much a difference in character between me and uh, Barbara, if I'd have entered the building and they immediately wanted me to go and have a nap, I'd be like, yep, sure thing. <laughs> yeah, but yes. then you would immediately would have met Lucy and started fanning around Tronoski. Ooh, this is a nap, buddy. Like, you, you and Lucy. Together. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's your, your type of socialising is that of someone who'd basically be a teddy bear and just mm. chill out, <laughs> be fine. Oh, yeah, we should go and kill someone. No, we absolutely should not. I'm here. I'm reading a book. I'm cosy. You do well, what you fairness, want. I'm staying here. In fairness, <laughs> Lucy didn't say we have to go kill someone. She she talked to Barbara as if her and Barbara were just good friends and that Lucy had Barbara's best interests in mind. Like She was like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, you don't want to be kept in here, held hostage. I'm going to cut the phone line, brackets, stab your brother to death. Uh, you know, like... She didn't tell. She didn't tell Barbara what the plan was. She just acted like a psychopath herself. 
and then let Barbara deal with the consequences, wasn't it? Hmm. I liked I liked the fact that they did play it. You weren't quite sure what what was wrong with her, and you do you know it didn't get into oh, Lucy's fake, but it, it was um, you know it was they were all trying not to bring up Lucy or to like not encourage her talking about her friend that doesn't exist because mm. there must have been incidents in the past that are, you know, but they didn't also act like she was Lucy. They they were just trying to be like, look, be yourself, be normal. We're here. To help you, it's all going to be fine. And then, yeah, do they? They just she has she gets medicated and sent to bed. Is it fairly early? Because you need you need rest when you're back from wherever you've the last asylum you're in. I guess. I don't yeah, know if she's what... medicated, but when they send her to bed, she like goes into the bathroom, and she like finds a stash of pills she hid in a hair curler. Yeah, that's weird. I've never seen it where they're trying to discourage someone from having medication. Because oh, so they were letting is... her have like painkillers, but they weren't letting her have the whatever other pills she was on that was the side effect was Lucy. Yeah, okay. So this is more of a don't do drugs kids where if you take the wrong pills you fucking see an imaginary friend who's a bit of a psychopath. Hmm. Although it was, a, it was a bit ambiguous because like Lucy doesn't turn up until she takes the pills. Yeah. But Lucy is also encouraging her not to take the pills. As if she should stay off her meds and therefore stay insane. That's what I thought it was. Have they done, have they had a um, continuity error there? Have I had a continuity error? Am I just not paid attention because it was so ch- childlike in its horror? No, because she, she came home, she offered her a sedative just to go to sleep with, and she asked for a medication, and she said, no, you're not having that anymore. Right. And then, so if Lucy's saying don't take your pills, is that the ones that the nurse has given her? Or? No, it's it's the ones that she had stashed. I don't get it. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, neither I mean, do I. It, it's kind of, it, it's, it's confusing. Yeah. Because hmm. it implies that Lucy is a product of those pills. Yeah. But then Lucy is also trying to make her not take the pills. Yeah, but it's the, it's kind of the classic trope of uh, I know what's best for you because I want to survive, because I am a figment or I want to take you over or something. We don't get to know why Lucy is her imaginary friend or indeed her real friend. Like it doesn't. This one should end up with Lucy was real and is out in the woods with the... the... That would have been a better twist. <laughs> yeah. Lucy's just this really sly ninja blonde woman who keeps creeping in. Killing people and then leaving it, leaving Barbara to deal with it. She just snuck around. Yeah, and now there's a mannequin and pieces of corpse and Lucy in the woods. Yeah, I mean it's pretty straightforward though, isn't it? It's a little bit of cod psychology stuff. I don't think there's a whole lot to this one either. Like it, there's a bit of drawn. It's drawn out a little bit and a little bit of tension with the nurse because the nurse stops her right, and then the nurse. Uh, you know, we have it so that when. Bar- I don't know when Barbara's being Barbara and when Barbara's being Lucy, because she talks to Lucy, and then, uh-oh, uh, I thought, you know, Lucy was helping me cut the telephone wire so we could escape, and then it turns out she's jammed it in the heart of my brother, and uh, did she kill the nurse as well? I can't remember. Or does- No, the nurse comes back while she's about to leave, and then she says, oh, like, Lucy goes away in a half, is it? Because Barbara's uh, reluctant or something? I can't quite remember. 
Yeah, she's reluctant to give up the pills. Yeah. So Lucy storms off. Yes. And then when Barbara's confronted by the nurse who was outside coming back, she's like, was that Lucy going in the car? She's like, that was my taxi, bitch. There's no other, no one has been around. Yeah, because there isn't a Lucy. It's you, you mad bitch. <laughs> and then it's uh, inside the house. Oh, this isn't on. You've killed your brother. And she's like, uh, what? Uh. And then, you know, presumably when the police investigate, there's no f- set of fingerprints for Lucy. And yet Barbara's like, but she's real. I. And then she sees Lucy in real, back in the asylum then. She's told her an incredible story of I murdered my brother for no reason because I thought I was someone else. And uh, she sees Lucy in the mirror. Uh-oh. Scary. How does she <laughs> live there? We don't know. Uh, the, but it's nice that these two women are classic, attractive blondes, uh, but you know they look a bit different to each other. I guess uh, Barbara's is slightly more normal looking, and then uh, Lucy's is particularly... She's not Sorry. blonde. We're not blonde. Well, Brute, uh, she's light. is a blonde. I won't dispute you there at all. I uh, think it's this. There's this. Uh, no pun intended. Grey area with blondes, where sometimes just mousy brown colours get. You know, people. Some people cast a wide net of what a blonde is, and then other people are like, no, everything's brunette, and no other colours exist. I know what well, you mean. They're both attractive, conventional women. Not not convention. Convention. They're both a conventionally hot bombshells. One of them slightly like I guess Barbara's a bit more plain, but they're both like young, attractive women. I wouldn't say Barbara's more plain. I'd say Britt Eklund is more older. Scandinavian. Yeah, she's just exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I didn't want to do her down, but like you know, I think the, the yeah, idea is Barbara's more thing. normal. It's not. It's not really my thing. But Charlotte Rampling, he's a fine lady. You'll turn, turn, you're right, turn the gaze, gaze of any gaze. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's the other reason, Black. We'll do a good film of this because, like, a, a nice exploitative uh, horror film about a murderous blonde. I mean, I, I actually thinking about it, there is a Edgar Wright did a similar story recently ish uh, of uh, a fashion designer who has a uh, uh, a friend who's like may or may not be in her imagination that's leading her into a more depraved nightlife, you know, and is possibly murderous. So, and so we other know people have seen the film because the trailer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking your your wish has been granted by Edgar Wright, Anthony, that you get the longer version of this, basically. If you, wow, have you seen that film? Idea is me. Maybe he thought this could be a a, a feature film. Yeah, have you seen that film? What's it called? I can't really remember. Hal- a bit of... Not Halifax. Tango's. Last Tango Soho. in Halifax. Soho. <laughs> Soho business. So, so, Soho. That's what I'd call it. I didn't love it. It was very well visualised and cut, like the colours worked, but uh, I thought it was a bit hack. Myself. Not to do a mini review per se. But have you seen that film? I have not. Ah, well, now's your chance. Now's your excuse. Uh, Abby, what do you, Abby, what do you think of the, this tale? We're obviously saying it doesn't fit in as well, but do you like this one? Lucy Comes to Stay, it is called. Well, Ooh. in and of itself, it's fine. It's just so many of these hidden John 
like, but were they imaginary? So by the time you get to this third one, you're a bit like, oh, give us a shit thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the only one you can go, well, this one could be imaginary. This one's like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe this woman isn't as bad as all that because it's not impossible another woman existed. Um, but the other two are like, well, that's bananas. Why would they be like... You've not said there was another person who disappeared and can't be accounted for. You've said body parts have come alive or a man. Like, they're mad. This one is like, oh, poor Dab. She thinks she has a friend, but that that's she doesn't think her friend is like a talking fucking wardrobe or something, you know? She's not there yet. But is she the doctor? Doc Martin doesn't think so. Moving on. And then this is the one where they don't really give us a nice back origin story of a Batman villain. They kind of just have a quick chat and establish the fucking weirdest hobby you've ever heard of. <laughs> this is a doctor guy. Who's another fucking doctor? Oh, could the doctor be a different doctor? Oh, this is the most likely one so far. Hmm. Who's this one? What's this story called, in fact? Mannequins of Horror. Well, that's a faux pas, because we've had one story with a fucking mannequin in, literally. <laughs> and these are freaky human head robot toys. Got the toy yeah. maker from Batman having an origin story. What's the Doctor called in this? Uh, Dr. Byron, played by Herbert Lom. Okay. And so <laughs> his thing is like, hi, I'm fine. I've got a hobby. They won't let me out. Not very nice. I think one of them, like one of the women, wanted a lawyer, like because she thought she'd been stitched up, as it were. Can't remember the, the other people were just like had other excuses or had accepted their fate. But this guy's like, look, I'm putting up as long as I get my little arts and crafts project, I'm happy. But I'm not generally, I don't deserve to be in here. But have a look at my cabinet full of tiny robot toys with freaky human heads. And let me make it weirder than that. All of these little toy robots are filled up with genuine, like, body parts, shrunken down body parts. Yeah. It doesn't really explain how you get a tiny oh, skeleton. And Do you think there's a way you could explain it, Abby? No. What I would like to say, though, is if anyone could sell it to me, it is Herbert Lom. When <laughs> yeah. he was doing it to where he was transferring his essence from himself to the robot. I was like, yeah, you're the only one who could even for a second get me to believe that that is the thing. I think it would have been better if they hadn't have said these, I make these things with, they have the faces of people I know, which is already kind of voodoo-ish and creepy. They're very pseudo-realistic little funny clay heads or whatever on conventional 1950s-style robot bodies. And so if you'd have just been like, these are my gadgets that I can you can control them with your mind, you'd be like, okay, so he can operate things with tele- telepathy or telekinesis or something, you know? Like, he, he can use mind powers. I'd be like, okay, that's a thing. But saying he's got all the shrunken down organs and it's like a human body, it's like, why, why the fuck are they in a robot toy? And what are you... What are you implying? You could upload your soul into them, and you're making a model of one of the. Is he who is he making a? Is it Rud, Doctor Rudford? Who does he make? Does he make his own face or someone else's head on the robot he uses to kill? It's himself. 
that's why he can imbue his essence into it. Would you want one of these toys, Abby, to upload and build your essence in and get to mischief? Just for fun. It's not ideal that they look like um, Christmas cracker level quality <laughs> with a with a different doll's head stuck on the top. Yeah, but surprisingly mobile. They're sneaky. It's slow. slow. <laughs> I'm slow anyway, so it'd be pretty similar. You're not an ideal gift for children. Big enough to not be a chalking hazard, though. As I say, I suppose Dr. Martin feels the same way as Abby because he doesn't even let him tell a story. It's just, right, I'm gone. You're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And then part of the problem here is that Dr. Rutherford's like, this guy's a prick and he's not having his arts and crafts anymore. And you go like, okay, you're providing, what, clay and mechanical parts or something to this guy? Are you providing like tiny chicken livers and things for like what are you giving him to put awful in the robot bodies? Like what are we talking about? Why are you not providing human matter, are you? <clears throat> like it's perfectly innocent to make arts and crafts models of people, I guess. But then mm. what what are we saying with the bodies? Um body parts in there. Yeah. Dismissed out of hand because this is a short story. I'd have so many questions. Like I do have so many questions. Like, what are you talking about? How do you shrink them down? To what? What would be the purpose of controlling a little robot version of yourself? Do you permanently stay in the robot? What? How did you come across this as a thing? Did you? You're the. You're like Doctor Frankenstein. You just come up with this idea yourself. Did you? So many questions with this guy. All the other people are like, oh yeah, sounds silly. This guy, fucking hell, what's the story here, bud? How does any of this work? And yet it does work. That's what. That's what's remarkable. All the stories so far have been bollocks and not true. And then this guy, he fucking, he sets his little robot version of himself out the door. And it's, it's like lunchtime. Rutherford and Martin are having a chat then, aren't they, to decide, like, the orderly's like, mm, who'd you guess? And then, bet you haven't guessed it's me, you prick. <laughs> and it's like I ain't saying, but I have I have come to the conclusion that this is a fucking shit show. <laughs> everyone's everyone's mad here. I don't like it. Well, uh, you know, the, go on, Abby. Everyone's mad, and you've indulged it. You haven't been helping them. You've just locked them up. And uh, yeah, but, but the little robot sneaks about I while optimizing them. Yeah, well, that's the plan with Rutherford. Yeah, he's like. The only way to solve this is to make them all be vegetative and complicit, uh, you know, submissive, I suppose. Okay, well, there's that is here a step too far. The old uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, last resort territory. Or Sucker Punch is that another one where there's like lots of horror films and scary dramas are like lobotomy is scary because it basically chops a bit of your brain out. It is fucking terrifying. Yeah, the guy who did lobotomies and popularized it was an absolute madman himself as well. Just a complete yes, nonsense. Hammering nails into people's heads and calling it fucking good job. Anyway, sneaky robot sneaks about. <laughs> And uh, luckily, Rutherford, while chatting to Doc Martin, has decided to get out a scalpel to you know, chat with and talk about laboratories. And that means our little robot that is very small and has little legs and sneaks all the way downstairs 
manages. Yes, to... it's a dumb waiter and everything. Oh yeah, that's very clever. I guess in the dumb waiter, not so dumb after all. But yeah, he gets in the dumb waiter and then somehow gets up the table <laughs> through the power of perspective of the camera. Is it? Don't start thinking about that. Don't <laughs> don't do that to yourself. The little robot man is snuck in the room, picked up the scalpel on the desk, and then slowly walks it into the head of Dr. Rutherford. (laughs) (laughs) And then what does Dr. Barton do? He's like, he basically kicks it to death and then goes, oh God, it's full of disgusting organs. Yep. (laughs) He's like, Christ, that's fucked. And then his panic stations as uh, him and the orderly go and check on... uh, the original guy who's put his mind into this doll. and We cut, we occasionally cut to him, as Abby described, staring and imbuing the doll with life or something, uploading his spirit. And is he dead then? Once the once the doll's killed, I, he's yeah, dead. I assume so. Because so, the, the guy said that his whole chest was caved in. So, the old if... um, what you do to me happens to the doll, and vice versa. I think. Indeed. Voodoo. Voodoo don't. That's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> so these dolls are all free. Anyone who's got the head of one of these dolls that matches them, any friend of his can have a little freaky voodoo doll murderer that they can will into you know, existence if they want. Fucking hell. What a nightmare. So it's kind of a moot point as to who Dr. Star is because we've got a murderer with magical powers here. Not, well, science powers. That's the whole thing in itself, isn't it, really? What did you make of that shit, Anthony? With a... <laughs> this... <laughs> How does this story grab you? Um, Entertaining, at least. It is funny. <laughs> you almost can't believe what they're pitching as an idea. As well. they, they, they rattle off the story and explanations so quickly. <laughs> So they can get to the little robot doll going about, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But that isn't the end of the story, because that doesn't reveal who Dr. Star, who went crazy, is. He wasn't that guy. That was just a separate bad person with actual powers. Really, the orderly is Dr. Star, and I guess they've been playing some weird game where they bring people in and fuck with them or t- test them or because they, they, it's not like Dr. Star kills Dr. Martin. Uh, at the, he's not planning to kill him, is he? It's just, I don't know. Why, why do they care? Why have they brought a doctor in if, if, you know, why are they doing anything? I mean, the, the, well, this the, is why, this is why I thought it, Rutherford wasn't in on it. It was just, it would, you know, it, it was straight. He asked him to go up and try and identify Dr. Star, but Dr. Star had in the meantime murdered the orderly and was now posing as him. So if he'd murdered him a few weeks ago, maybe but he'd recognise the voice was different. He'd recognise the voice of his old colleague on the ta- on the radio. It's not like he wouldn't go, oh, I can't go upstairs so I can't find out what's going on up there. It might be a one-way messaging system. He just has to mask his voice like, yep. Yeah. But they they like they have they're planning a game of guessing game. He know he knows he definitely knew. I think. I mean, what do you have we figured it out? Was it like 
They 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 were up to something. But also this other guy separately has got revenge at least on one of them. Do you think the they're problem in is by him having actual magic powers, it then puts into question as to whether or not the other stuff also happened. Because if his last thing can happen, then the other things can also happen. Everything's on the table. And it's a mad... Maybe the mansion causes all the problems. Maybe as soon as you're in there, you go mad to start believing horrible things have happened. No one's dead, or everyone's dead, I don't know. Hey, yeah, everything's on the table <laughs> in terms of magical ghost bullshit. All of these are innocent people who are uh, having a hard time because they've been in, uh, locked in by mad doctors. But anyway, Dr. Starr has been discovered because the corpse is found by Doc Martin in, in one of the side rooms. They he, Then he gets strangled by Dr. Starr, does he? Grotted. That's right. Get a funny and, look from... And he, he gives the most prolonged maniacal laugh I've ever heard in film. <laughs> nice. It's a good word. Classic horror trope. He's really pleased with himself that he's not only... I guess put put one over on him, but stopped him <laughs> unveiling the madhouse. It was it was it was a good it was a good laugh because there was a, there was a point where it it genuinely felt. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like it Unhinged. was. Um, yes. Like I can't believe we've done this stupid. Like, like absolutely <laughs> uncontrollable. Maniacal laughing. Yeah, classic you know, Joker. This would be a Joker reveal moment. Even Origin better. of the Joker. Yes. Yeah, and then so the the little the ending, which is quite nice to sort of put a little bow on it and uh, reset the board game sort of thing. So I guess at some point, uh, Doctor Star, who's gone mad and is a murderer now, uh, he I guess gets rid of Ridlith's body and can re- replace him. He's, he's down the, an orderly. <laughs> But I guess he can pretend to be, he can be himself again and be like, oh, I'm Dr. Star. And another young, oh, another person turns up at the the asylum sometime a bit from then, I guess, and is shown in by Dr. Star. Uh, and there's the implication of muhaha, now the games begin again. He'd pro- mm. Presumably he'll just reset and like, ah, if you could tell who the real doctor is. Um the three patients we now have in a room full of corpses. <laughs> Not as fun a game with just three people alive, but um, I guess he'll fuck. Maybe we'll fuck with him in a new way. I don't know, but the asylum is still a madhouse with a madman in charge, and it can go full Arkham Asylum now. Hooray! Where because Arkham was mad in one of the games, I think he was like actually he went mad and is now an inmate and ro- roaming the. The vents and writing messages and being crazy. Yeah, so, that was the, was the first one, then. One of the Arkham games, yeah. I think they elaborate on it. Well, well, it doesn't matter. Play that game if you want to know about that. Yeah, Abby, do you like the ending? Was it a nice... There you go. Put a, a nice bow on that. I don't know. It was a bit carry on the way he was like, as Dr. Star would say. Hey, what did he, what would them. Dr. Say, Star say? He would say what that dickhead just said because he is Doctor Star. Yeah, that's just a fairly banal thing to say. So, I can't quite remember what he said. 
Just but what's like... his shit going to be now? Because he's literally the... There's only him and the patients that are left that are alive. That's what I'm saying. There's three patients. I guess he can put on a moustache and run upstairs. He can go upstairs because he's not in a wheelchair. Honestly, that's the film I'd prefer to see. He needs to know the new person who comes to visit. He has to convince to be mad. He has to turn them mad so they're another. They can be another patient. Then you've got the four patients with. You know, they all tell their story, and then you guess, and then it's like it was me. You know. Then you need to turn another person mad, and they can become an orderly. Until eventually, you've got a whole asylum full of mad people who've got stories to tell. Where most of the stories are, I came to the asylum. The doctor fucked with me, and now my mind is broken, and I think I'm a little boy or something, or a duck, or fuck knows, a mannequin. Yeah, I don't know. Anthony, are you happy with this little wrap up? Are you like it was the classic horror? Mm, there's still spookiness going on at the end. It made sense. Wait, wait when you say it made sense, <laughs> which, as, which as, as a closing, you know, it kind of it, it made sense. I it's got it's the satisfactory. Ah, good. There could be more madness after this. Hmm. Asylum two. The asyluming. More mad, more of the time. It's going to be hard to explain. It's like the police eventually turn up looking for these missing people who were last seen at this place. And they come in and there's just corpse piles and mad people and a a doctor with a, a, a presumably convincing story. And then these robots full of full of offal and bones or whatever. The police are going to be like, the fuck? What's been going on? Solve, solve this mystery. And then you, you'll never will because one of those bits of the mystery is a magical robot killed a guy. You'll never put that together. Oh, look at these little robot blood spattered footprints going through the place. Maybe also, now that we know the the robots can come alive, maybe Dr. Stark can start using them. He knows that works now, so he can just craft a robot of his own face. Do you think he'll experiment? Oh, he's well, mad, so... I don't, I don't know if... what the use would be. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what the use was. Oh, the guy could get out of his room and kill people. It was his use. And I don't know if there's, like, a knack to it. Yeah, you have to have the conviction and the, 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 pup, the skills to mould the face, perhaps. What's Dr. Star's Ebo? He just went crazy one time and started murdering and then liked to pretend to be an orderly. There was there was a line about dealing with mental patients or make you can make you have a breakdown. I don't know. I, I probably, but whatever. You don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps, as Doctor Star <laughs> used to say. <sighs> Fuck it! I feel like I need to be committed after watching that shit. Mm. <laughs> Maybe just for some. Before, we, before we wrap up, there's only one. There's one more thing I want to talk about. Yeah, which was. There uh, there was one scene between going from uh, the warden's office to the patient's wing where he goes up some stairs and looks at some drawings of mental patients that should not be in the mental institution for a long time. Some, some creepy illustrations of people screaming and being like put in a madhouse themselves or, yeah. Just various, but it's on brand, isn't it? It's themed, and it's like set to music. As he look, he looks at everyone, and he's like, "Fucking hell!" 
lasts for so long. But I was just like, the, the no one would ethically put these pictures up in a mental asylum. Yeah, you want like a pastoral the, uh, field or like a something nice and some nice. This is the one I, I'm not a big fan of neutral uh, decorative art that doesn't say anything. But in an institute like that, you want nice calming imagery that can't trigger anyone's like repressed memories or trauma. Just, you know, serenity and Yeah, like, imagine you're, like, one of their loved ones going up to see them, and you have to pass through that wall of, like, crazy to get to see them. Yeah, like like Victorian or Georgian-era treatment of mad people screaming <laughs> and being tortured by medical professionals and locked up. And Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. A good, a good, that was a good bit I'd forgotten about. That's uh, quite something. Good fun. Sets the sets the tone for the the concept. Mm. Fuck you know, yeah. I don't know. It's very very like the Goosebumps show or books, like just stuff that can scare children, but doesn't really hold up to critical thinking. Mm. <laughs> more goofy I, I, than scary. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't even go that far. I can't even see <clears throat> kids being any bit terrified by this at all. Even. Little kids might be like that's horrible and scary. But then like, I wouldn't show this to little children. This film's for no one. I wouldn't show it to anyone <laughs> apart from us, apparently. It's just for nobody, Abby. Comedy fans? No. It's not that hilarious, is it? It's just sort of dopey. Yeah. Yeah, I that's think... the thing. It's 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 neither too it's neither too like weird and horrific or unsettling enough to be that much of a horror film and it's not like campy or funny enough to 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 be a laugh yeah i think you could have dialed up the caricatures of these people and made them made the stories a bit more twisted and funny and <clears throat> like a make it more caricatured and deliberately like comical or something um but then I, can't, I always can't believe what the guy who wrote Psycho did this. These are terrible. These are don't <laughs> publish these stories. These are sub scouts campfires tales for morons. Although I have heard some of the campfire scary stories I've heard in literal in the scouts have been fucking. I, there was one about uh, a cow that was murdered, and it was like. I don't know. It would the I don't know the fucking ghost or the zombie cow would come and like the cow got killed and then they ate the liver or something and then the the cow would creep the ghost cow would creep closer and then it would say like Johnny, I want my liver back. <laughs> I'm coming to get you. And then it would like be this build up of tension <laughs> as this creepy dead cow would come for revenge and say that. And I'm like, so some of the shit I've heard around a campfire. <laughs> and that one stuck with me, that nonsense. I, don't even... I want my liver back. Oh, it's just the cow liver. What are we talking about? Also a talking cow. Yeah, that's scary in and of itself. I mean, I might have funny... Um... Go on. What's the Barbara thing? I'm coming to get you, Barbara. That's From the uh, Light of the Living Dead. Ah, He's winding it's... up his missus in the, in the graveyard rather presciently. Pre zombie apocalypse, he seems to think the dead might come back alive and sort of foreshadows rather appropriately what's going to happen. 
just that came to mind for you, did it, Abby? It did. It, it's been in my mind since the beginning, but I wanted to remember it for myself. I could not, so I finally asked for help. I think a good rule of thumb is don't have a horror film where people say they're coming to get you. <laughs> it's not very scary. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyone going to say anything other than this is silly? <laughs> is that it? Are we done? Yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment, if I'm being honest. The trailer promised a lot, and it, it did deliver on it, but it wasn't like that engaging, was it? No. So, sorry, Anthony. Um, the, the, the true horror was how shit it was. <laughs> it was at least a little bit better than uh, the aspects. I kind of enjoyed the aspects <laughs> because the aspects made me laugh more, like when he... <laughs> crashes into the tree and stuff. That was properly silly, and it's got a, like an undead guinea pig. I thought the aspects was more fucking silly and fun, and it worked. That's the true. There was more enjoyment out of the terribleness of it. This, this, let me let me rephrase. This was a better made film than the aspects. <laughs> the, the the concept, the wraparound asylum story, was a better idea than just guys be fucking around with ghosts. And, and actually filmed like it was a film, not like it was just on a stage. <laughs> they both are a bit ropey, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's the end of the podcast and the end of our lives. Ka-chunk!